0: Good morning. Welcome this morning, especially to our guests and those listening online. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Wayne, and uh, I retired after 37 years of ministry, 32 of which I have uh, been involved with Circle. So I am um, learning what it means to be retired. I still do some volunteering, as you can tell. I'm still doing some speaking. So it's a bit of an adjustment. It's quite a change in life, but... Um, I don't feel like I'm any older, but, and I had a compliment a while back from somebody when I told them, oh, I've been a pastor for 37 years, and uh, they said to me, man, you must have started when you were in diapers, which was nice. Now, Jelaine, our, my daughter, our daughter overheard this, and she, she says, nobody is now. <laughs> so she's no longer in the will. So if you want to take notes, you'll want to look in your program. Uh, there'll be lots of notes to take today and making lots of points that you'll want to be writing down or go to your U you and click on More and Events, and you'll find the notes in there as well. So before I get started, I heard this really good story, and I wanted to share this with you guys today. Uh, a man came to the pearly gates hoping to be admitted, and St. Peter said to this guy, I can't see, looking in his big book, I can't see that you did anything really good in your life, but you never really did anything bad either. I'll tell you what, if you can tell me one really good deed you did, then you're in. So the guy thinks about it and says, well, once I was driving down the road and I saw a gang of bikers bothering this poor girl, so I pulled over, got out of my car, grabbed the tire iron, walked straight up to the gang's leader, a huge, big guy with studded leather jacket bald head with uh, hair all over his body and a chain running from his nose to his ear so I ripped the chain out of his nose and ear and smashed him over the head with a tire iron then I turned around and wielding my tire iron yelled to the rest of them you leave this poor innocent lady alone go home before I teach you all a lesson in pain so St. Peter was really impressed by that and says wow that's pretty impressive I I can't see that in, in my book. When did this happen? And he said, Oh, about two minutes ago. <laughs> okay, so we're concluding our series on heart shift. And the truth that we are learning, the foundational truth that this is all built on, is that the smallest acts produce the largest changes. The smallest acts produce the largest changes. Heart shift requires making two degree changes throughout our lives so we've learned so far over the last three weeks and you can get all of this will be online if you want to go online and listen back on some of the sermons from the past in this series we've learned about the importance of identifying accepting and processing pain grief and loss critical to making two-degree changes we learned the nine reasons why we will not make changes and the one reason why we must make changes And then we learned that pain and anger can block change, and change requires community. And we also learned that change is a process, and that change, even two degree change, can lead to ruin or renewal. So today, as we conclude this series, I want us to learn three heart shift principles. But before I do that, I want to talk about a couple of other things. These are related a little bit aside to the principles, but really important Practicing this whole idea of heart shift. The first one is, is that perform, the difference between performance trap and heart shift, and the second is the difference between first and second order change. So there's a difference between first, sorry, there's a difference between performance trap and heart shift. The difference between performance trap and heart shift. John, John Trent said this making hurried, dramatic, or broad brush changes is a great way to walk into a performance trap making hurried dramatic or broad brush changes is a great way to walk into a performance trap so when we're convicted or challenged to change when we feel this kind of enthusiasm to change the tendency is to make a 180 degree to change or at least to try to make a 180 degree to change we kind of, i think we have this thinking that we think that if a little change is good, then a big change must even be better. And let me tell you, like medication, that is not true. Just because you've been given a little pill and told the doctor told you to take a little pill once a day doesn't mean that five pills will even be better. The same is true with heart shift. When you make two degree changes each and every day of your life, throughout your life, you will get to the place you want to be and that is a much better approach than making a 180-degree change. When you go to, some of you have gone to uh, track and field or participate in track and field. I used to do uh, sprinting in track and field, and I used to do high jump in track and field. That's back in the day when you didn't jump over backwards. That's back, if you're as old as I am, you remember you actually did the scissors jump where you had to jump and try to make a scissors with. Your feet, not as quite as efficient as going backwards, but that's what we used to do. So you didn't, you didn't start at the highest part that you could possibly reach, right? In high jump, you, start, you let the, put the bar down low, and you work your way up to the highest part. You warm up from the lowest to the highest. It's really a false thinking that we're supposed to put the bar high in our life, that there's something wrong with starting low and taking those kind of preliminary jumps from starting low and moving gradually up to the place where we want to be. Change can become an issue of performance. It can lead to making unrealistic goals, which can be blocked by others. Let me make this clear. When you try to make a 180-degree change, you can set unrealistic goals for yourself. And then those changes or that desire to change can be blocked by somebody else, somebody who's not participating or somebody who's not cooperating with the changes that you want to make. And then when that happens, when they get blocked, you either get mad or you get sad because somebody has blocked these goals that you want to make. Avoid the 100 degree performance trap changes and live a life of 2% life changes. So the second thing I want you to pay attention to before we look at the principles, is the difference between first-order change and second-order change. So, you've all had nightmares. Now, and you've all had good dreams, too, I'm sure. Like, my, one of my favorite dreams, I don't know what your favorite dreams are, but one of my favorites is flying. I love to dream that I'm flying. I think that's the greatest thing I'm looking for. I'm hoping I can do that in heaven, that I can fly. That's something I'm looking forward to. But some of you have nightmares, I've had nightmares, and one of the most common nightmares that we have, other than waking up naked in a class, that you're having a test that you didn't know you're supposed to study for, which I've had many of those, but one of the most common is running away from people or monsters or animals. Some of you had that, right? Where you keep on running and running and running, you can't seem to get away. Uh, I love dogs. We have dogs in our household, while well, one dog left in our household, and we enjoy dogs. My, one of my worst running away, and I've had all these running away dreams from all different kind of scenarios. One of my worst dreams, and I still remember this, I had this decades ago, was I was being chased by a Dalmatian. That was the weirdest dream. I'd, I've been suspicious of Dalmatians ever since at the dog park, but I've been chased by this Dalmatian. I could not get away. Finally, I ran up these stairs in kind of a tower. And the dog was chasing after me. I locked the door. I thought I was okay. And then the Dalmatian went like this and knocked the door down with its paw. And I woke up and was sweating. But we have these, we have these dreams, and we run and we run and we run. And it doesn't matter how fast we run in our dream; it doesn't change our circumstance. We're still being chased after. This is what's called second-order change. We're doing the same thing over and over and over again. We're not successful. So what we think is that if we go faster will be more successful. I see this in relationships all the time, where the relationship isn't working well, and one of the people in the relationship, and you you can elbow each other if this is appropriate, one of you is the talker. And so you think that the more you talk, the better the relationship's going to get. And you think that if the relationship is getting worse or it's not working, I just have to talk more. And how does that work for you? It doesn't work for you. Because talking faster, moving faster, doing things faster, but doing the same thing over and over again doesn't work. We don't experience the change that we need. For first order, so that's second order change. Trying to do the same thing over and over again faster and faster and faster. Second, first order change is waking up the, from the dream. Second, first order dream, change is the alarm goes off and we're in reality. So whatever it is, something from the outside wakes us up or something internally wakes us up and we realize that we need to do life differently that we need to do life differently sometimes it's God saying you know what what you're doing isn't working you need to do life differently and some and that's why we need community that's why um, Austin mentioned our group link we need to do life differently if you're interested in this please sign up for group link get involved in a circle group And one of the ways that we can do that through the support and accountability of community. Also, let me just say this. Um, Last week, we talked about uh, pain and grief and loss and the importance of two-degree change in terms of pain and grief and loss. And I expressed the importance of community in that. And uh, we heard a really good testimony from Caleb about his experience with community and how community helped him walk through pain and grief and loss. Um, Today, right after the service... The journey group is having an information meeting. You can just go and get information, and you can learn how to walk and experience healing with that group of people. If you can't go after, if today's not working for you, you just fill out this connection card, put it at the back at the end of the service, and say, I'd like to be involved. Put your information down. I'd like to be involved in the journey. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. I've said this before, that people who need to experience healing tend to run away from opportunities to be healed. And I cannot tell you how many people I've counseled and said to them, your next step needs to be the journey. Your next step needs to be divorce care. Your next step needs to be whatever group that's going to help them. And they are too frightened, too scared to face their past and work through that time. Don't be that person. Be the person who says yes to this opportunity to be healed. Okay, so with those two ideas in mind, Um, I want to take you through three different principles that will help you to make two-degree changes. So last week, I told you the story about Moses. Or two weeks ago, maybe. I told you the story about Moses. So Moses was the person who grew up in Egypt as the prince of Egypt. He was a Hebrew person, but he was adopted by a princess of Egypt. He grew up in the household of the pharaoh. Uh, He was walking, watching the Hebrew people who were slaves. He was walking through uh, where they were working. He saw one of them being beaten. He intervened. He killed uh, the worker who was, or the soldier who was beating on the Hebrew slave. He got in trouble, got found out, and was going to, and he ran away. He came back 40 years later after being a shepherd. He came back 40 years later, and because God told him, I want to set my people free from Egypt. And all these plagues happened. You can all read this. It's all in the first part of the Bible called the Old Testament. And so Moses comes back. He has this confrontation. It's a great story. It's been put on movies, both animated and live action. And you can see those. And he comes back, and eventually Pharaoh lets them go. And they go through the desert. They're supposed to go to the promised land. That's where they're supposed to go. So miraculously, they get to this promised land and Moses and all the people are at the Jordan River, and this is modern-day Israel, so right across the Jordan River is modern-day Israel, and they're supposed to cross that river, go into the promised land. What they do first is they send in 12, slaves, or sorry, 12 spies, and 12 spies go into the promised land, and they come back, and two of them, two of them um, say, hey, we can do this. God is with us. We can do this. We just have to be brave. God will be with us. We can do this. The other 10 say, no, the people are too big. We'll never defeat them. We'll never take this promised land. And so they decide we're not going to go. And because of that, God said, this generation, including Moses, this generation will never enter into the promised land. So what happens? The next 40 years, they wander around in the desert. The next 40 years, they wander around the desert. And then, as we talked about a few weeks ago, they come back to the Jordan River... And they're at the Jordan River, and Moses gives this really long speech, and you can find that in the book of Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, the first part of uh, the Bible. And Moses gives this long, long speech. And at the end, he says, okay, here's your choice. You can cross the Jordan River and experience life and blessing, or you can do what your mothers and fathers did, what the previous generation did, refuse to do that, and experience death and curse. That's your choice. that's where they are. I'm going to tell you the end of the story. Well, let me just say this. No, I'm going to leave it. We're going to tell you the end of the story. I'm going to tell you the end of the story when we get to the end of the sermon, and you'll see how important it is. One of those, by the way, one of those spies, his name was Joshua. He's going to play an important role here. Okay, so when we choose to make two-degree changes, we have this challenge. I'm going to tell you what the people did I'm going to leave a little bit at the end. The people, the, okay, Joshua said, God told me. He says this to his people, his generation. He says, God told me, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. God told that to Joshua over and over and over again. Joshua told that to the people. And this is what happened. This is what happened not going to tell all of it, but this is what happened. They went to the Jordan River. This is, and if you're, like, if you're not a, a believer and you've heard that the Bible tells these unusual stories, this is one of them, okay? So they, they get to the Jordan River, and God says to them, I want the priests to pick up the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a... You can read about this in the Bible or, or watch uh, Indiana Jones, and they have it in there as well. They... They have the Ark of the Covenant, and the priests pick it up, and they have to carry it with poles. It's really important how they carry it. In there is the Ten Commandments. That's what's in the Ark of the Covenant. This is kind of, it's representative of God's presence. That's, it's not, God is not contained in that box, but it's representative of God's presence. So God says, what I want you to do is I want those priests to go first across the river. Now here's what's happened. The Jordan River, I don't know if you know much about the Jordan River, but the Jordan River is normally a muddy creek. It's not like the South Saskatchewan. It's normally not a very big river, except at certain times of the year, and it's overflowing its banks at certain times of the year. So at this particular time when they're supposed to cross, the banks are being overflowed. And so the priests say, okay, we're going to go across first. Now just think about this. They're going to go across the river believing that they're not going to drown. So they pick up the Ark of the Covenant. They walk, start walking across the Jordan River. As soon as... This is, this is the interesting part, Okay. This is, we're we're talking miracle here. We're talking miracle. So the God who created the Jordan River can do this. Okay, so they put their feet in the water, and immediately, like a dam, the water stops. So the water on this side is like a dam. It stops. There's a wall of water here, and enables the priests to walk into the Jordan River. And they stop in the middle of the Jordan River, And all of the people, this new generation of people who are going in the promised land, they cross over. They cross over. And they're remembering that God gave them a challenge. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. So as you walk across and you see this big wall of water, be strong and courageous. When you enter into this new land, I'm going to give this land to you, be strong and courageous. So they walked over or through the dry land that used to be water. They walk across. And eventually they get to the other side and they are in the promised land. So I'll talk about what they did after that in a few moments. When we choose to make two degree changes, it's important to keep in mind this crossing over challenge. The crossing over challenge is this, be strong and courageous. So when you're making two degree changes, remember, be strong and courageous. When I talked about the nine reasons when I talked about the nine reasons why we will not make these changes, I left a couple of them out, and one, one person came up to me afterwards. One and said to me, you know what my greatest challenge is in making two-degree changes? My greatest challenge is fear. Fear. Fear prevents me from making these changes. Fear of failure, that I'm not going to be able to do it. Fear of rejection, that people aren't going to like the changes that I make. And let me just say this real quick. In counseling people, I have often warned them, and they've come back and told me this is true, I've often warned them that not everybody's going to like that it's changes that you make in your life. Even though they're positive and great changes, they're healthy changes, not everybody's going to like that. It's amazing the number of people who come back to me and say, my family liked the way I used to be. They don't like the fact that I'm setting up boundaries. They don't like the fact that I don't let them do whatever they want to do. They don't like the fact that I'm becoming a different person. They don't like the changes I'm making. And it's kind of that kind of fear that will prevent us from crossing over. Remember that God is with us. Be pr- brave and courageous. When we fail, be strong and courageous. Get back on the path. Continue the journey. Don't give up. When we're rejected, be strong and courageous. Do not be distracted or dismayed by the disapproval of others. Be strong and courageous. So there are three important principles that are in your uh, programs or on your YouTube or you version. These need to be taken one step at a time. And these principles, by the way, are principles that we learn in Vantage Point. If you're interested in Vantage Point, I can talk to you about that after. But these are principles that we learn in Vantage Point. The first one's called life's seasons. Life's seasons. We all have seasons in life. They come and they go, they return, they come back, they come and they go again. And the awareness of the season that we're in helps us to make two-degree changes. That's the point here. The awareness of the season you're in helps you to make two-degree changes. Because sometimes the season that you're in requires this kind of change, and sometimes you're in another season of life and it requires this kind of change. So we need to be aware of where we're at, what season we're in. Let me just run through some of these these four really quickly. So there's spring. Spring is a season of new life. It's a season of new beginnings, new opportunities. People who get married experience this. If you're having kids for the first time, a new job, going to a new school, moving from um, one set of type of education to another type of education, I'm finding myself in a new season as I'm in retirement. That's the kind of season that you're in when we're describing the spring season. There's the summer season. It's a time where we go, I've, God has blessed me and I want to bless back. I want to give back to God, what, give back to others what God has given to me. I want to deepen and grow in my relationship with God and I want to serve others. There's the autumn season. It's a season of transition, a time of moving from summer into winter where there's really a mixed harvest. A mixed harvest where there could be loss, there could be gain in this time. And then there's the winter season, when we feel dry and empty. There's the winter season where we feel dry and empty. We need space. We need to rest. We need renewal. We need restoration. Now, these don't all come in any sort of order. It's important you understand that. They don't necessarily come in any sort of order. They, They can overlap. Sometimes we're in a season for a long period of time. Some of you experience that winter season where the dryness seems to be going on a lot longer than you want it to be going on. That's a sign that you need to pay attention. Sometimes it goes on longer. Sometimes it's a shorter period. It's a critical issue that we're aware of where we are and what cheap choices we need to make based on where we are. So that's life's seasons. And then the second principle is life's transitions. Transitions. Life's transitions. As we make two degree changes, we go from, we can go, from orientation to disorientation to new orientation. Let me explain each of these. So orientation is the place that we're leaving. So when we decide to make a two degree change, when we decide to start, do that, or continue to do that, we might be moving from a place that we no longer want to be. Like that dream, we've decided I can't, I can't stay here any longer. I can't keep doing things faster and over and over again, thinking there's going to be a different thing happen in my life. I need to make a change. And so that's called orientation, recognizing where you are and the fact that you need to leave that place. You're orienting yourself, and you're saying, these old habits, these old behaviors, these old ways of thinking and seeing life, they need to change. That's called orientation. Then as you move and you're moving hopefully to a new orientation, there might be an in-between time called disorientation. So you're seeking guidance from other people, you're seeking support, you're seeking accountability, you're seeking wisdom and strength from God, because there's that kind of in-between time when you're moving from where you were to where you want to be. Even though it's, and it's particularly a slow process as we're making two degree changes, it's important to realize that we're going to have those in-between times, and that's really important that we use that time to allow god to bring about the change he wants to make in our lives and allow community to come alongside of us and then as we're moving we we'll eventually enter into this new orientation this new way of behaving this new way of thinking this new way of seeing life and that all happens as we make two degree changes and then the third principle is called life's rhythms it's called life's rhythms as we make two-degree changes, changes, it's important to keep in mind three questions. Three questions. What is my pace of life? What is my pace of life? Now, I'm, like, I'm finding, I don't know, those of you who are retired are kind of in a stage of life where things are a little bit easier going. I'm finding my pace of life isn't overwhelming. I don't have to Kind of think about that. Certainly it has been in the past over my years of ministry. My pace of life was a lot faster. I remember when Debbie and I, we had three kids who were all very involved in different activities. She was working full-time as a teacher. I was working full-time or more than full-time, and so was she. We had two dogs and two cats. We were very busy, and life seemed to be very busy all the time. It never seemed to stop. And some of you are in that experience right now. You're in a pace of life where things keep going faster and faster and faster. And you go, how am I supposed to make two-degree changes? I can barely get my head around about what my life is like now. You're kind of in this orientation time where life is just the way it is and you're overwhelmed by the pace of life. Sometimes you need to ask yourself this question. What needs to go? So maybe a fourth child you don't really like that much. No, (laughs) just kidding. No. What, what needs what needs to go? What in your life do you need to say, I need to let this go? This is something that's preventing me from making a two-degree change. What takes up your time? What prevents you from making those changes? So that's the first question. What's my pace of life? The second question is, am I integrated or divided? Am I integrated or divided? We can either be compartmentalized or we can be whole. So in, when the Bible, in the first part of the Bible, we, it's, the Bible is written in Hebrew. The second part of the Bible is written in Greek. And they had two very different perspectives on the human being. So the Greek people saw your life as divided up into whole different kinds of compartments. And you could do something in your body that doesn't affect your spirit. Or you could do something... In your heart, in your emotions, you could feel something and it doesn't affect your mind. And so they compartmentalized the person's life. And part of that was to let them get away with things. That they could do something really bad with their body, but it wouldn't affect any other part of their life. Well, that is not how the Hebrew people, that definitely is not how God sees us. We are whole people. We are integrated. Every part of us affects every other part of us. Our spirit, our mind, our body, our heart, all impact one another, and we, are need to, we need to think of life as being whole, that we are integrated. Our values and our priorities need to apply to every area of our life, okay? This is what I'm most concerned about. I'm concerned about people compartmentalizing, ignoring emotions they shouldn't ignore, ignoring thoughts they shouldn't ignore, ignoring their body and their spirit that they, when they shouldn't ignore it. I, but I'm most concerned about taking saying, I can, I can be this kind of person over here like, I can, when I come to church, these are my values and priorities. But when I go to work or school, when I'm with my friends, I'll have these values and priorities. That's what I'm most concerned about. I'm most concerned about living that kind of divided life where there's not a consistency of priorities and values. I, I love uh, Big Brother. Jelaine and I have watched Big Brother since she was, like, little and enjoying Celebrity Big Brother right now. And most of you are thinking, what a waste of time that is. It really is good for sermons, and that's why I'm watching it. So I'm, so I'm using it right now just so I can justify it. Um, I love Survivor. What's really interesting about those games is, is that people walk in and they go, you know what, I'm going to have to lie. I'm going to have to backstab. I'm going to have to live my life differently than I'm assuming they live their life in real life. So that, that those are television shows. I'm talking about real life. We don't want to live that way in real life. We don't want to be divided, where our values and priorities are are this way over here, and our values and priorities are this way over here, right? We We want to be integrated, not divided. All parts of our life matter. All relationships matter. Every part of our life matters. The last question is, what is my identity and purpose? Who am I? Why am I here? It's critical when we make two degree changes that we're confident in how we've been shaped. And what we really care about. Answering these three questions are critical to making two-degree changes. Okay, that's a lot of information. Take that home. Think about that. Uh, work that through in your life. Find somebody who will hold you accountable and support you in that. I want to come back to our story about Joshua and the Hebrew people. So they made it across. The interesting thing is is that the priests don't leave as yet. So all the people, and we're probably talking a million people, all the people have crossed the river. They're, in the other, they're on the other side. So they're in the promised land. They're ready to get going and do whatever God commands them to do under the leadership of Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And Joshua says, you know what? We need to have a memorial marker. We need to to do something right here that reminds us and the generations that that follow us the decision that we made today to be strong and courageous because God is with us. So he got 12 guys to go back into the river, and of course it was still blocked off where the priests were, go back into the river and pick up these huge rocks. And each one of them, there's 12 tribes in Israel, 12 families, each one of them picked up a rock and they carried it back to the shore and then they, piled it down and made a pile and that was their memorial marker that God has been with us we were in the promised land never forget the day that we crossed the Jordan and God said be strong and courageous so this is the last in this series and I want want us to make uh, a memorial marker in our life and open up your programs I hope everybody got a program You'll find one of these cards in it. I want you to take that card out and grab a pen. Don't do anything yet. I haven't told you what I want you to do yet. Just get this card out, hold on the pen. You know, remember Moses told the people, you have a choice between life and death, blessing and curse. I think starting today, making a two-degree change commitment or continuing the commitment that you may have made already, I think it's important that we have a memorial marker. And we're going to have a private opportunity and a public opportunity to do that. In a few moments, um, Reed and Dave are going to sing a song that we sang in our worship time. And uh, if you have time, you can sing along with, with them as well. But I want you to take this card out. And this is for you to keep. This is for you to put some place where you are going to say, today I make a commitment to taking small two-degree two degree steps towards life change in one or more of these areas. You can check those off. Don't do this lightly. You can check those off. You put down the day, the month, whatever, today, and sign that. And that's your private memorial marker. That's you saying yes to making two-degree changes. Then after you've done that, you can do this while we're singing or while Dave and Reed are singing. After you've done that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a public declaration that you are going to be a person who makes two-degree changes. And the way, it's going to be really simple. All you have to do is come up to one of the, either side here and there's these markers. And after you've filled this out, you can come up and just all you need to do is sign your name on that plexiglass. And that's your piling of the stone. That's you saying, I am going to, with God's help, I'm going to be strong and courageous and make a two-degree change. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the joy of being one in Christ, for the joy of community. I pray for those here who are making this change today, that you would give them the strength and the courage to say yes to two-degree changes, both privately and publicly. In Jesus' name, amen.